It is time for us to begin our midday program here on the KRVN on the dial for you on this Monday. I hope you're doing well. It is a chilly one out there for sure as those wind chills across the state. You know, and sometimes, Susan, you and I don't agree on the weather. you got different things going on, but it's cold where you are, too, I'm guessing. Yes, I'm actually in Kearney for the Farm Bureau's convention, but that's how you drive in this morning. I pulled over in York to get fuel, and I could not see the road. Oh, wow. Oh, I heard it was, yeah, it was rough. There were some blizzard-like conditions, at least ground blizzard-like, right? It was crazy. Hmm. Crazy. Wow. And and I like snow, but it was crazy. Well, you should. You're from that snow region, the snow belt. I know. Anyway, what do you got for us today? Well, we're going to talk more about USMCA coming up at 1219. Senator Sasso is here at the convention this morning receiving some endorsements from the Nebraska Farm Bureau and also talking about USMCA. And then coming out uh, late morning, we did hear about the workings going on between the Democrats and the president. So we'll have more on that. Then at 1245, Shaley steps in with Dr. Jeff Fox. He's a bovine veterinary management resources as he discusses the secure beef supply program and its importance to cattle producers and what they're doing to implement that program. Then wrapping it up at 117, Clay will stop in. Actually not, it's not Clay, it's Bruce Gorder talking with Andy Curlis, CEO of the North Carolina Port Council as he's been on the firing line on the battle to eliminate animal agriculture for years. We'll get more details on that at 117. All right, quite a battle. It's hard to believe that's even a battle where we live, but uh, it is across the country for sure. It definitely is. All right, thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. Thank you. Jason Jorgensen has been a busy man. <laughs> There's been a lot going on over the last couple of days, that's for sure. There has. Yeah. There has. Yeah, you see, but it looked like uh, weather was pretty nice for you out at Excelsior Springs. It was. I mean, it was a little cool. The wind was a little stronger what than was it? it was supposed to be, but still, sunshine and 47, and well, it's part of the country in December isn't bad. That's pretty good. And when your team shows up and plays as well as UNK did in the Mineral Water Bowl against a solid Winona State team, well, then that, you know, that's all the better. 50 points is a lot of points for a, a, a team that wants to control the clock and wants to pound it. They uh, they did well. Great way for the Lopers to uh, end the year, 7-5 and five with that bowl championship. Also, we'll talk... Volleyball. It was a good weekend for volleyball in the state of Nebraska. The Huskers were able to advance as they knocked off Missouri. They're headed up to Madison, Wisconsin for that regional. They'll play Hawaii later on this week. And then about the UNK Lopers, they stared into the abyss, taking on a program that had won, I think, nine national championships in the last 12 years. And they rallied from 2-1 down, down 20-11 in the fourth set. And they're headed on to the lead eight in Denver this weekend. We'll hear from Coach Quires coming up in sports. All right, very good. Let's turn it over to Bob Brogan now. Uh, stocks down just a little bit. Stocks uh, down a little bit on Wall Street as investors are weighing the possibility of more U.S. tariffs on China kicking in. In the meantime, business economists uh, are expecting the U.S. economic growth to slow this year and next, but they say the economy will avoid a recession. Still, they're his argument over that, former Federal Reserve Chairman Paul Volcker, dead at the age of 92, and he headed the central bank from 1979 to 1987. All right, very good. All, all that coming up on midday.
Join your friends at KTIC, KRVN, and KTMX at this year's Nebraska Power Farming Show in Lincoln, December 10th through the 12th. And this year, we're giving away a Milwaukee M18 cordless sawzall, durable and perfect for any size job around the farm. You can find our registration boxes at these show vendors. Hogslat, Kit Held Seed and Chemical, Ag and Industrial, RMS Red Star Fertilizer, Vavrina, Soil Solutions, AgriLiquid, Egbers Flighting Company, and Peck Augers, and Bill's Volume Sales. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it affects agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here, an always exciting time of the year when we get our first Alberta clipper. Yes, uh, <laughs> and we got that one this morning. The uh, main brunt of it off, was off to our east, but it did. Uh, we did see a disturbance move in behind it, and it did uh, produce some light snow across much of central and eastern Nebraska, especially to the north of I-80, Broken Bow to Kearney, and points on towards the east and northeast. You can see on our mm. visible satellite photo, pretty good area of snow cover, uh, just the light covering in many areas. But it did cause uh, quite a few accidents on into Omaha and portions of eastern Nebraska, a lot of uh, just that light coating of snow causing quite a few accidents. I saw some slow-moving collisions. They showed, like, Channel 7's uh, Facebook page showed a whole bunch of cars piled up because of an accident, and then the state patrol car gradually signing towards it. It it had been parked, but so it was a little bit slick, and that light snow covering just making for some problems and for travel in eastern Nebraska this morning. So a little filthy to the east, but uh, cold everywhere. Exactly, yeah. Continuing to get some strong winds across the area. Temperatures not moving a whole lot. Most of us with temperatures in the upper teens to low 20s. We do have some low and mid-20s as you head towards far southeast Nebraska and much of northern Kansas. He teamed that up with the wind this morning right now, and that is giving us some wind chills still in the low and mid-single digits in much of west and central Nebraska on into northern areas of eastern Nebraska, but then those wind chills still on the chilly side also into much of northern Kansas in the upper single digits to low teens. So bundle up. It's a lot colder than what we had for yesterday. On the backside of an Alberta clicker today, as Scott mentioned, that Alberta clipper, a quick moving area of low pressure out of Canada, giving us some temperatures about 10 degrees cooler than usual as that cold air filters in behind that system, and 25 degrees cooler than what we had for daytime highs yesterday. The cold temps and strong winds will keep those afternoon wind chills primarily into the teens and much of the area. The gusty winds gradually subsiding later this afternoon and tonight as high pressure does build south. We'll still see a northerly flow on the backside of low pressure over Hudson Bay in Canada. That will maintain that cold through at least tomorrow. Hudson Bay low starting to lift out during the midweek with temperatures warming slightly. Weak low pressure will cross the plains for Wednesday night into early Thursday. That low expected to move through dry, but there is potential for some low-level clouds. But forecast models are consistent on an area of low pressure, something to watch that tracks across the plains Saturday night and Sunday with some returning snow chances with that system. The current track targets Kansas and southern Nebraska for better snow chances, but it's still nearly a week out and details will be adjusted. In our long-term forecast, the Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to start seasonal to near normal this weekend and early next week. Warmer than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and the central and east U.S. by the middle of next week through December 22nd. Above normal precipitation, especially likely this weekend and early next week in Nebraska and Kansas, that precipitation chance drops to near normal to slightly above normal the middle of next week through the 22nd. 
Market impacting weather factors include snow and cold, shutting down field work in the northern plains and northwest Midwest, and mostly favorable weather for Brazil, dryness concerns in Argentina. Cold air will briefly engulf most areas east of the Rockies over the next several days. Sub-zero temperatures across parts of the Dakotas will cover much of the upper Midwest for tomorrow and Wednesday. Wintry weather may occur in the upper Great Lakes for today. The central Appalachians tomorrow and night into Wednesday and also downstream of the Great Lakes around midweek. Five-day precipitation totals could reach about one to two inches or more from the southeast U.S. into New England. The central plains, though, mostly dry the next several days. Unsettled weather this week in the eastern and northwest Midwest will disrupt the remaining harvest. Drier weather the past six to seven days should have allowed some harvest to go. But last night into early two today, snow in the western Midwest and some light to moderate precipitation in the eastern Midwest this last weekend has affected the field work. From the northern plains, limited harvest will be done where extreme cold will last a few days for early this week. Brazil crop areas have favorable weather for deep developing soybeans. Persistent rain in central Brazil, though, may increase the soybean rust. Above normal temperatures and limited rain continue to affect soybean planting and development in the minor crop areas of northeast Brazil. In Argentina, increasing concern over expanding dryness in Buenos Aires and La Pampa. Hot weather will increase the stress to early planted crops and may slow the planting progress. Cooler weather at the end of the week will ease that crop stress, but something to watch. The next system early next week towards Argentina may bring significant rain to only the northern corn and soybean areas and miss Buenos Aires and La Pampa. So we have some low pressure coming in, but it doesn't look like it's low pressure with much moisture. Involved. Exactly, yeah. The midweek system, nothing really too much to worry about, but this uh, system probably Saturday night into Sunday. The main target currently for some snow chances is southern Nebraska into Kansas, and then, of course, some smaller chances further north you go in Nebraska. But uh, that system does move a little bit more to the north. Uh, we could see better snow chances into Nebraska and then Kansas. Well, you just this time of year, you just don't know, right? I mean, it just exactly. could be anywhere. Something right. to pay attention to. All right, very good, and I'm sure you'll be doing that you, for us. You mentioned it. We'll keep you up to date this week. <laughs> Where do you go to check in on your weather, Paul? Weather tab, krvn.com. Get ready, Nebraska. Co-Wetzel is coming to Red Dirt on the River. Saturday, February 15th at Viero Center Carn. Co-Wetzel, along with Cody Canada and the department. And Cody West. Tickets are on sale now at CarneyEvents.net and the box office. Viero Center Carney and 93.1 The River present Coetzel at Red Dirt on the River. A senator receives an endorsement and talks USMCA. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Senator Ben Sass spent some time this morning in Kearney as the Nebraska Farm Bureau's annual convention is underway. Senator Sass did receive the endorsement of the Nebraska Farm Bureau, and he talked about USMCA. Nancy Pelosi needs to schedule the vote on the USMCA. I know that some of the... When we go to questions, I'm sure that uh, some of the reporters want to ask more about this, so I won't make a monologue here. But I'll just say at the top line, 
we need more markets, but we need more certainty in our trading relationships because you all are the most productive producers, the most productive farmers and ranchers in human history, and there is no way that Nebraska could ever consume all that you produce, and so we need other places to sell. And right now, the only reason that we don't have certainty in the USMCA, uh, the new NAFTA, is because of one person. There is truly one individual standing in the way of certainty in the no updating of the North American Free Trade Agreement. And so I'm sure we're going to go here on question and answer, but I just want to say right now in the short term, in the, in the long term, one of my fundamental jobs is to fight for particular trade. We need a lot more Asian trade. We need a bunch of nations that believe in the rule of law, that believe in open navigation of the seaways, that believe in human rights, that believe in not imprisoning a million and a half Uyghurs as the Chinese are doing with their prison camps. We need a lot more Asian nations to open up trading relationships, and we need Americans, American voters, American citizens, American uh, temporary public officials in the executive or legislative branch to be able to make the global case for more trade. But in the short term, there's no more is urgent issue facing American agriculture than getting the USMCA approved. And right now, the only reason it hasn't happened is because of one individual. She needs to get out of the way. She needs to sh stop her clown show. She needs to stop playing politics. And she needs to give our farmers and ranchers the certainty they deserve. Earlier today, the discussion of USMCA came out of Washington, D.C., as well as House Democrats have reached a tentative agreement with labor leaders in the White House over the rewrite of USMCA with the trade deal that's been a top priority of the president. Now, that's according to a Democratic aide not authorized to discuss the talks. You can read more about those comments through our website at ruralradio.com. So I asked the senator about USMCA and his thoughts moving forward. Uh, first of all, let's talk about what is different between old NAFTA and the new USMCA. Uh, and then let's talk about the fact that of the two major things that have changed, one that I think is really important and good and one that I think is a lot grayer uh, and, and less advantageous, but it's minor enough that we should just get to certainty, both of the major changes that the new USMCA contemplates are things that Pelosi actually wants. So all that's really happening right now is Nancy Pelosi is playing politics because she doesn't want President Trump to get a victory. That's the fundamental thing that's happening here. But let's back up. USMCA is the most important trade agreement of the last many, many, many decades. Um, it has been a win-win for Canadian consumers and producers, for Mexican consumers and producers, and for U.S. consumers and producers. We have lots higher quality and lower cost total stuff available to American consumers because of NAFTA and we have a lot more export markets available with certainty and predictability and not having politicians and bureaucrats in the way. As you well know, you can go commodity category by commodity category and for Nebraska exports it's usually Canada number one, Mexico number two, or Mexico number one and Canada number two. So there's lots of trade that matters in Asia, especially in the long term, but right now the North American market is still the most important market for us and over the last quarter century NAFTA has advanced all of that. Nutrients, At the Nebraska Farm Bureau Convention, I'm Susan Littlefield the on the Rural Nitrogen Radio Network. Get ready to be like a kid on Christmas morning. It's Christmas Unwrapped. Hear the cue, be the designated caller, and pick one of our beautifully wrapped Christmas gifts. You could win gift certificates to your favorite restaurant or area boutiques, movie theater tickets, museum passes, and more. Visit the Fun and Games page at krvn.com for a complete list of prizes and tune in every day for your chance to win. Happy Holidays from KRVN and The River. I had no idea we would actually be using real kids, otherwise I would have asked for a lot more money. 
Well, it's time for us to take a look at sports after a busy weekend. Jason Jorgensen back in here in the saddle again, if you will. And, boy, I tell you what, uh, the Nebraska volleyball team got all they wanted from the Missouri Tigers, didn't they? I mean, I didn't have a chance to see the match, but from what I read, it was dip and tuck. Yeah, it was close for a while. That's right. I think it was, yeah, that one set went a long way. So, yeah, but yeah, they won. Yeah, they advance on. They'll play on Friday at 3.30 against Hawaii, and head coach John Cook is just glad they're still playing. Great match. Our fans got their money's worth. They were awesome tonight. Missouri's a great team. They played their hearts out. We had to go as deep as we had to go all year to win this match tonight. And uh, what a great two teams that battled tonight. And just I thought our team... You know, winning that third game was was huge. This marks the eighth straight year that the Huskers have advanced to an NCAA regional. We will bring you Friday's match over on Cami Country Legends. Second-ranked UNK volleyball team has been seated second in the Elite Eight. They'll face Gannon University. They're located in Pennsylvania. That one's set for 3.30 Central Time in the National Quarterfinals in Denver. Now, on Saturday, UNK staged an epic comeback to rally past National Power, Concordia, St. Paul to win the Central Regional five sets. Lobers are 36-0 on the year. We'll see if the magic continues on Thursday in the Mile High City. Chris will bring you that matchup on 93.1 the River and on the River app. UNK wrapped up its best football season since joining the MIAA with an impressive 50-33 win over Winona State on Saturday in the Mineral Water Bowl. Quarterback T.J. Davis counted for five touchdowns, was the game's offensive MVP, and he says the Loper is route to make a statement. We knew the feeling of Washburn game, so we wanted revenge. We knew we couldn't go out like that, especially for the seniors. So this is just another opportunity for us to, to show everybody what we're about. He did not become the starter for the Lopers until halfway through the year, and he ends up rushing for more than 1,000 yards. Redshirt freshman, the future is bright for him. Yeah. Linebacker Sal Silvey also had a big game. He was named the defensive player of the game. Lopers finished the year 7-5. College football playoffs are set. Oklahoma against LSU and Ohio State against Clemson. Nine schools from the Big Ten will be heading to bowl games. And Kansas State, they'll represent the Big 12. They went 8-4. and four. They are headed to the Liberty Bowl. They'll have an interesting matchup against Navy. That one is set for Tuesday, December 31st in Memphis. And the UNK women's basketball team plays York College tonight at 7. We'll bring you that game on 93.1 the river. Well, good for Chris Kleiman. He definitely did a nice job down there at K-State and uh, kept things rolling. And that's a, that's a nice bull bid for them. It certainly is. You walk in, first-year coach, and you do that. Yeah, the future looks bright in Manhattan. Absolutely. That's Check of Sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. All right. Thanks, Jason. Your neighbor, your agronomist, your veterinarian. You know and see her often, trust and respect her. She's a woman doing her part in an industry we're all working to grow, and we think she needs to be recognized. The Rural Radio is kicking off the new year by celebrating all the wonderful women in agriculture, and we need your help. Throughout the month of January, we'll be featuring women involved in agriculture, and we need your nominations. Information on how to nominate your favorite woman in ag can be found at krvn.com. A Nebraska school district is asking drivers to obey state traffic laws after getting reports that some drivers aren't stopping for school buses with their stop sign arms extended. Hastings Public Schools officials have gotten reports of motorists putting student safety at risk by disregarding the stop sign arms. 
David Essink, the district's human resources and operations director, says most people ignoring the stop sign are going in the opposite direction. The president of Nebraska's public school teachers union says she's hearing concerns from rural schools about a lack of mental health services and state equalization aid. The many schools that are also concerned about retaining qualified teachers, particularly in rural areas. Nebraska State Education Association President Jenny Benson says she hopes to tackle those issues and others in the upcoming legislative session. The average price of regular grade gasoline has dipped one penny per gallon to $2.65 over the past two weeks. Industry analyst Trilby Lundberg of the Lundberg Survey says gas prices could remain stable for some time. On a U.S. average basis, there might be some inertia on the way for the pump price. On the one hand, we have higher crude oil prices, uh, not dramatically higher, uh, but substantially so. Uh, last week, uh, West Texas Intermediate crude oil inventories tightened up, followed by the OPEC decision with its collaborators on Friday to curtail production further. Lundberg says further cuts to retail gas prices are unlikely because crude oil costs are on the rise. House Democrats have reached a tentative agreement with labor leaders in the White House over a rewrite of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade deal that has been a top priority for President Donald Trump. That's according to a Democratic aide not authorized to discuss the talks and granted anonymity. Details still need to be finalized, and the U.S. Trade Representative will need to submit the implementing legislation to Congress. No vote has been scheduled. The new long-sought trade agreement with Mexico and Canada would give both Trump and his top adversary, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, a major accomplishment despite the turmoil of Trump's likely impeachment. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Covering agriculture is a big commitment. When KRVN takes you on the road for agriculture, you might hear us reporting across town, across the country, or across the ocean. We thank our equally committed on-the-road sponsors. The Nebraska Corn Board. Nebraska Land National Bank. And the Nebraska Soybean Board, powering our ag news travel aboard the KRVN Soy Biodiesel Pickup. On the road for agriculture. Because it's a big story. the Rural Radio Network. I'm Shaley Peters and I'm visiting now with Dr. Jeff Fox with Bovine Veterinarian Management Resources. You talked at the recent Nebraska Cattlemen's Annual Convention about something that's very important. You're just starting to get the ball rolling with this. It's secure beef supply and Dr. Fox, there's a lot that goes into this but this is a very, very important topic and I think the big thing is when, not if, something comes into play for our beef producers. Give us a little bit of background. So, Secure Beef Supply is a plan to allow the agriculture industry, Secure Beef Supply is strictly about cattle, there's a Secure Pork Supply plan and others. Um, If we have a devastating disease in the industry such as foot and mouth disease, Secure Beef Supply is an enhanced biosecurity program developed at Iowa State through a USDA grant that will allow us to continue doing business in the event of a doomsday scenario like an FMD outbreak. 
What does a secure beef supply uh, look like when you guys talk about putting this plan in place? What does it look like? And then also I think it's important to know we're not talking about just the large cattle feeders or just the large operations. You are going industry-wide here basically with our cattle producers. Correct. So what does secure beef supply look like? As I said earlier, secure beef supply is biosecurity on steroids. And what we are trying to establish is for lack of better terms, clean and dirty zones. We want, if we know that our feed yard, our ranch, our backgrounding facility, our dairy, whatever is clean and free from foot and mouth disease, our goal then is to keep it clean and free. And so this will really disrupt the way we do business in some locations. Um, I've got a producer we did this with and we are in our plan, we will actually get a bulldozer in and build a new road into the feed yard to keep things separate. You know, um, cattle trucks, when they come to a feed yard, will not be able to drive onto the feed yard to load cattle. We're going to have to find a way that if they come on the feed yard to load cattle, they don't cross-contaminate drive-by pins. They don't use the same roads as our feed trucks. All those kind of things have to be taken into account to make it... Um, a secure facility is basically what we're doing is trying to build a moat like around a castle to keep things out um, and this doesn't just apply to the large corporate yards or the larger feed yards this is everybody needs to be thinking about this and how do we continue business in the event and in the event of a foot and mouth disease outbreak or some other catastrophic disease and how do we get our arms around the disease and get it shut down as quickly as possible? And this plan will allow us to do that as well. From a big picture sense, you know, you say, why is this important? Well, so we can control a, an outbreak or whatever. But really, when you get into the nuts and bolts of it, why is it so critical to be considering this now ahead of an outbreak uh, instead of trying to react to one? The reason to consider this now is... Um, if you don't plan, you fail. And once you are, once you are in the battle, the best laid plans may go to waste. But at least we have a plan and somewhere to start. This gives us something to do that this catastrophic thing happens, and now we have a plan in place to at least start trying to manage it. And we have an idea of what we're going to do. Where if you don't, you've never thought about this, you've never worked with this and something happens, you don't know what to do, you don't know how to do anything, and you're just lost in the wind. Finally, um, somebody listening to this, somebody maybe catches wind from a neighbor about mm -hmm. secure beef supply, they wonder what it is, they're, they're curious about getting it on their own operation, what resources are available to them, how do they kind of start getting the ball rolling on their own place? So you can contact us here at Nebraska Cattlemen, we will help you get the ball rolling on your place. Miss um, Chelsea Kramer is our state emergency management coordinator. She is the one that will um, approve all of these plans and make sure that everything's done. She will help you get started. And then securebeefsupply.org is the website to go to. And everything is on that website. It walks you how to, through how to do it. The templates are on there. Um, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We are using this website and the templates to do this. We literally print them off at the feed yard fill in the blanks. It's not that hard and it forces us to think and get ready for a catastrophic event.
Again, hearing from Dr. Jeff Fox, he's with Bovine Veterinarian Management Resources. We caught up with him at Nebraska Cattlemen's recent annual convention taking place in Kearney. Hearing more on a secure beef supply and why it's important to our producers. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. BNC Drug is all about keeping you healthy and happy. Keep away those winter colds and flu by protecting your immune health. BNC Drug will help you choose the vitamins that work best for you. If a cold or flu sneaks up on you, don't worry about getting to the pharmacy. They'll deliver right to your home. BNC Drug is your local Hallmark Gold Crown store, so you know they have a great selection. BNC Drug in Belleville, Kansas, your local Hallmark Gold Crown store and Good Neighbor Pharmacy. It's time for our midday business report as we take a look at uh, the stock markets around the world, see what they did in the overnights. The Japanese Nikkei was down 76 points. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong was down, but just barely down three points. London's FTSE was down five, and the German DAX index, excuse me, yes, the German DAX index was down 60. So not great news on the overnights, and uh, that has carried over into the U.S. stock exchange. The Dow Jones Industrial Averages are down 63. NASDAQ is down two, and the Standard & Poor is down four. Here's Bob Rogan for more. Stocks lower in afternoon trading as investors still waiting for the latest updates about trade negotiations in the economy. Wall Street is particularly focused on any developments in the trade war ahead of a new round of tariffs uh, of $160 billion of Chinese imports due to take effect on Sunday. Now that would raise the prices on several products including cell phones and laptops and uh, threaten to affect consumers. So that's looming large. Meanwhile, business economists say they expect the U.S. economic growth to slow this year and next, but they say the economy will avoid recession. If it does, that will extend a record-breaking expansion already in its 11th year. The latest survey by 53 forecasters with the National Association of Business Economics shows that they expect economic growth to slow from 2.9% last year to 2.3% in 2019 and 1.8% in 2020. Former Federal Reserve Chairman Paul Volcker is dead at the age of 92. Volcker headed the central bank from 1979 to 1987. When he took over, the economy was suffering from runaway inflation. Volcker pushed interest rates to historic highs to tame it, triggering a recession. More and more recently, President Barack Obama made him an economic advisor when he took office after the financial crisis of 2008. Volcker took charge of the Fed in August 1979 when the U.S. economy was slipping into the grip of runaway inflation. Volcker worked relentlessly to bring prices under control. He is dead at the age of 92 and uh, was in the news a lot for many, many years. The average U.S. price of regular-grade gasoline has dipped one penny per gallon to $2.65 over the past two weeks. And uh, also in Nebraska, it's quite a bit lower than that. It's about $2.40 a gallon right now, according to AAA. So a little bit cheaper gas uh, in Nebraska than nationwide. 
Well, you know, it'd be interesting. We tell you, you mentioned Paul Volcker there, and you and I were kind of talking off mic a little bit. Uh, he's one of the very few Fed chairmen that I could just kind of say off the top of my head because of, uh, you know, he was pretty controversial, late 70s and 80s, fighting. We forget how huge that inflation was. We had inflation and unemployment at the same time. He said what he meant and meant what he said. He was one of those kind of people that just, you know, the buck stops right here and on my desk, and yeah. by golly, it did. It sure did, and a, a bigger-than-life guy. Uh, literally, he was six over six seven and had a huge old voice, and uh, really... In history, will re- I hope remember him fondly for what he did. I think he will definitely. Uh, he's ha- he has his place in history. I agree. Thank you, Bob. Bruce Gorder with you on the Rural Radio Network. If you are involved in animal agriculture, there are a lot of people out there who want to put you out of business. Andy Curlis is the CEO of the North Carolina Pork Council. He's been on the firing line for years. He calls it external turbulence, and I asked him why. Bruce, there's many groups that are organizing on many fronts, and they're all aimed at animal agriculture. And it's coming from so many different directions that it's probably worse than turbulence, but that's the best phrase I could come up with. It's just people need to understand it's not one thing, one place, you know, one particular issue. It's very strategic. It's very coordinated. And it's a much broader effort to attack animal agriculture. Who would some of the names be that we would probably recognize? So there's a lot of groups that you've heard of, uh, you know, Mercy for Animals or HSUS or over on the environmental side, you know, Sierra Club and Environmental Working Group and that. But there's also significant funders who are behind them that a lot of people probably haven't heard of. A lot of Silicon Valley money, a lot of foundation money, all of that pouring into those groups, and that's what keeps them sustained. It's not just small donors you know sending in five or ten dollars it's significant donors from the coasts who are spending millions of dollars to keep them going what is their end game good question what is their end game i ask myself that a lot love to run a a carbon water nutrient profile on what they think would be sustainable because you know there's a lot of people in this world to be fed and efficient modern agriculture is doing it. Their end game is, as stated, is to eliminate animal agriculture. That's their end game. It's not just to control, it's to end it. No question about it. Eliminate, dismantle, end. That's how they speak. I'll believe them at their own words. What kind of dollars are we looking at on a national type basis? It's millions upon millions when you start to add it all up. We have one foundation in North Carolina that is spending on national groups. Uh, the last uh, four years, grants are in the range of $40 million to $70 million to $120 million to different groups that are then aligned against us. It's very, very significant money, and most people have no idea that it's even happening. And where does this money go? What are they doing with all this money? 
uh, everything, everything that you've seen. Uh, it's it's social media, it's community organizing, it's litigation, it's regulatory actions. Uh, you name it, they're doing it. It's corporate campaigns, and so they'll focus on a food service provider or a grocer or a restaurant chain, and that uh, takes a lot of time, effort, and certainly money when they run those types of campaigns. What can the folks in animal agriculture do to fight back? Well, first of all, it's 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 we have to be aware of what we're what we're dealing with. So that's that's number one. Most people aren't aware of it. Number two is we have to be unified. We have to be allied. We have to look for new allies, and we have to always do what's right. We are uh, the good guys, so to speak. They want to say bad things about us, so we have to always make sure we're doing right. And uh, those are the main things that we can do to uh, deal with this. But there has to also be new strategies on different fronts in this ongoing uh, situation. Scary stuff from Andy Curlis of the North Carolina Port Council. I'm Bruce Gorder. Play Patton on the Rural Radio Network. We look closer at the closing grain markets with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. And, John, really not a big news day. A lot of things to talk about in these grain markets. Kind of stayed where they did at the open by the time we get to the settlements here in this afternoon. But uh, we did get out export inspections. What did you think of that? Oh, a little bit better. Uh, 18.9 million bushels of corn. The bean number was good, um, up near 50 million bushels. So you're, you're above a million metric tons for soybeans, which is great to see. Still still lagging on the corn, though, and just really not a whole lot to write home about other than we're 57% behind a year ago. We will see a uh, uh, cut in exports tomorrow. The question will be, does, does the USDA offset it with any supply? So I think that's probably what's keeping the corn markets just constrained here. Very, very slow day with, you know, minimal volume. We didn't even meet 100,000 100, contracts on that uh, on that March futures contract. So I, I look for the market to kind of, you know, prepare for tomorrow and then try to figure out what uh, what's going to happen to the end of the week. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time we had um, an event like this with this little rhetoric leading into it. Even in the in the days past when we had the, what was it, the G20 meeting down in Argentina and then the last meeting when they did it over in Beijing, like there was a lot of kind of rhetoric ahead of it where they were both sniping at each other and right now it's been pretty quiet. Both sides towing the party line and um, nobody really knows. Will we go to Friday with, with no announcement and just kind of wait for Sunday or, you know, will, will something happen before then? So we're all kind of sitting on pins and needles here. Then we have WASD tomorrow. A lot of a lot of traders may be looking past that, looking towards the December fifteenth for tariffs. But do you possibly see any surprises, or where could we see the surprises in the report? Well, I mean, the surprise if you're looking for something bullish probably comes from the wheat side, when the wheat markets have some upside. But uh, really, it would be on yield on, on the corn and soybean side. I, I think you know it's funny how everybody had these huge rate, range of guesses just three to four months ago, and now everybody's pretty much right in the same spot uh, where, you know, we're within 100 million bushels of each other. So I, I really don't know if you're going to get a surprise. That's where it would be, just given that the, the trade isn't expecting much. Uh, on the on the bearer side, you know, maybe possibly a, a, a yield, uh, you know, I'm sorry, demand cut in soybeans, but I, I just don't think that's going to be it. So near term here, I think, um, you know, it's going to be more buying your time. The corn markets, well, they haven't moved. The spreads have tightened. We've seen July work higher against December 20, and I think some of the, the, the wheat markets have shown some promise. But 
I, I don't know, tomorrow might be just a big kind of letdown, and then, you know, we go into the weekend hoping that trade trade gives us something. At this point, there there isn't a lot of optimism, which is usually a good time to buy. And again, John Payne, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Find out more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. And that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com. Brought to you by Divinity Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divinity Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DivinityChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal.